good morning. Hope everyone had a good fourth. I can tell by the look in your eyes, some of you had a real good fourth. Stayed out way too late last night. Uh, I actually went to a party myself last night. Problem was, it was for teenage girls, and so I didn't feel too welcome, uh, so I didn't hang around too long for that. Uh, but uh, had a great fourth. I hope you're doing well today. Turn your Bibles with me this morning to 1 Kings chapter 17. 1 Kings chapter 17. You know, as we look around the world today, it's fairly easy to see that we're living in a time of moral and spiritual decline. Elijah was a prophet who was called of God to minister in such a time as we are today. That's why I love the Bible. It relates to where we are, what we're dealing with, what life has thrown at us, and how we perceive and see the world in our own time. Elijah was called at a time where evil was everywhere. You know, I hear people say all the time that we're living in some of the most difficult times, and maybe the most difficult time, to ever be a Christian. I think there's some truth to that. I also think that Uh, that's a little exaggerated. Uh, There's some truth when you look at the history of the United States that we probably are living in a time uh, that is the most difficult to be a follower of Christ. But if you look at Christian history, you're going to find out that in the Old Testament and the New Testament uh, that they served and ministered in very difficult times. So today I want to talk to you about the faithfulness of God in difficult circumstances. The faithfulness of God in difficult circumstances. Elijah served during a time where King Ahab and his wife Jezebel were in control of the nation of Israel. Now part of their agenda was this. They wanted to destroy all the altars of God and replace them with altars of Baal. And so they set out to tear down all these altars of God and force everyone to worship Baal. At the very beginning of chapter 17, Elijah confronts Ahab, the king. And he prays for a drought. And the reason he prays for a drought is Baal was considered a fertility god. He provided the rain that produced their crops. And so he prayed for a drought. And if you know the story, for three and a half years it didn't rain. After he confronted Ahab, God said, Elijah, flee to a place to where you will be safe. And so he went to this place where God miraculously fed him with ravens, bread and meat in the morning, bread and meat in the afternoon, and then he had the brook Cherith or Kareth to drink from. I believe the reason that he sent him there wasn't just to keep him safe, but also to strengthen him spiritually to help him to rest because he knew the battle that he had ahead of him was going to be great. And so he goes to this place and he remains there until the brook dries up. And then the Lord said, now I want you to go to another place called Zarephath. There you'll find a widow. Now we're going to pick it up right here in verse 8. It says, then the Lord said to Elijah, go and live in the village of Zarephath near the city of Sidon. I have instructed a widow there to feed you. Now, Elijah lived a very unusual life. 
And it was because of the way or the unusual way in which God operated through his life. And I thought about that. I want to live an unusual life. I don't want to just be average. I don't want to just be the norm. I don't want to be mediocre. I don't want our church to be mediocre. I want to live an unusual life. I want God to do something unusual in my life. And you ought to want God to do something unusual in your life. And for Elijah, he lived this unusual life that was characterized by the fact that God operated within him in a very unusual way. As God moved in his life and allowed him to minister and to affect and impact the world around him, God did amazing things through Elijah. Now, God had instructed this widow to provide provisions for Elijah there. And then in verse 10, it says, So he went to Zarephath. As he arrived at the gates of the village, he saw a widow gathering sticks. And he asked her, Would you please bring me a little water in a cup? Now, this wasn't a great demand, but he was testing her. He wanted to find out which widow God had prepared for him. Now, in this day and age, or that day and age, it wasn't unusual for there to be many widows. Because of battles, disease, a lot of things took husbands away from families. And so he made this very reasonable request to her. And then he goes on to say, would you please bring me a little water in a cup? And then in verse 11, as she was going to get it, he called to her, bring me a bite of bread too. I want you to understand this was an extremely unreasonable thing to ask. Because of this drought, there was a great famine in the land. And the widows were at the very bottom of the food chain. They didn't have welfare. They didn't have government assistance. If you didn't have a husband to go out and provide for you, well, you're just in a very difficult way. And so he made this very unreasonable request of her in order to test her to see if this was the widow in which God has prepared for him, to provide for him. Again, I thought about this, and and the thought that came to my mind was that we are so afraid today to ask people anything that requires faith. We want to ask people to do things that doesn't stretch them, that they feel safe in doing. If we even think about asking someone to do something that requires faith, we feel guilty about asking them to do that because we're making too many demands on them. Guys, I'll tell you what we need today in the church. We need people who are willing to step out on faith and to do things that require faith. So not only did he ask for a cup of water, which was easy for her to do, he also asked for bread. And you're going to find out here in just a moment why that was such a difficult thing. Uh, Water was an inconvenience, but bread, well, you're talking about life and death here. Verse 12, it says, But she said, I swear by the Lord your God that I don't have a single piece of bread in the house. Now, the widow desired to please Elijah, but she responded by telling him about her desperate state and the fact that in that desperate state, she didn't have the means to fulfill his request. She wanted to. She desired to. But the problem was she did not have the means to fulfill the desperate request of Elijah. 
It goes on to say, and I have only a handful of flour left in the jar and a little cooking oil in the bottom of the jug. I was just gathering a few sticks to cook this last meal, and then my son and I will die. Now, that's pretty bad circumstances, wouldn't you say? I can't imagine a more desperate situation, a more hopeless situation, than to not be able to provide the necessary needs for your child. Here was a lady who was desperate. This was her plan, is we're going to cook this last meal. I'm going to feed my son. I'm going to feed myself. And then we're going to starve to death. Now, starving to death was not a quick process. Now, for some of us, uh, a lot longer process. But that was her plan. Why? Because she had no hope. There was no dreams of what was going to be when her son got older. None of those things. She had run out of options. At this point, all she knew to do was take what she had left, cook that, feed her son, feed herself, and then die. You know, I heard someone say one time many years ago that you really don't know if God is all you need until he's all you've got. You really don't know that God is all you need until he's all you've got. And for most of us, we never find ourselves in a situation where we can really understand that God is all we need because he is, he is all we've got. But we never get out in those desperate places. So helpless. So hopeless. But that's where she found herself. And then verse 13. It says, but Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Now about this time, I would probably punch Elijah right in the eye. Here I am minding my own business. I'm gathering sticks. I've already put together my plan. We're going to eat and then we're going to die. That's the only option I've got at this point. No one else is offering a helping hand. And then here comes along this prophet and he makes this extremely unreasonable request. Not only get me a glass of water, but also get me a morsel of bread. And then he goes on to say, before you feed yourself, feed me. And then he says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I bet she was terrified. How could she not be afraid? I'm going to make a statement here, and I want you to listen to what I'm about to say, and then here in just a minute, I'm going to pick up on this again. But faith without risk doesn't require much faith. Faith without risk doesn't require much faith. For the most part, most of us live in a very safe place. And I'm talking about our faith. We operate in a safe zone. We operate in a comfort area. We don't stretch ourselves. We don't take risk. And the reason being is we like it there. But here was a lady who was being asked to step out on faith even when she had no idea what was going to come. He goes on to say, go ahead and do just what you've said. Make a little bread for, my, for me first. Then use what's left to prepare a meal for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. There will always be flour and olive oil left in your containers until the time when the Lord sends rain and the crops grow again. Now Elijah had added to her distress. 
He had added to the difficulties of her circumstances. But he does so with a promise. And this is the key. If you'll do what I'm asking you to do, God will not only provide for me as he has promised, but he's also going to provide for you and your son. And she's looking at this little bit of oil that she has in the bottom of this container. She's looking at this little bit of flour that she has in the bottom of this container. And somehow God is going to multiply this over and over and over again so that they will never run out of food. Well, That was the promise that was made to her. The decision that she had to make at this point, is she going to trust God? Verse 15 says, So she did as Elijah said, and she and Elijah and her family continued to eat for many days. There was always enough flour and olive oil left in the containers. Just as the Lord had promised through Elijah, it came about. And so her actions demonstrated her faith in God's promise. And because she was willing to trust God... Her faithfulness fulfilled the promise of God to Elijah. Now, guys, if you haven't heard anything else I've said so far, I do want you to get this point that I'm about to make. Again, you can look around us. We know the things that have gone on here recently. And I'm not going to get into the politics of all of that, but the court's decisions, the way this world is going, the things that are going on that we see every day. But I want to tell you something. When you look around and you see nothing but hopelessness, helplessness, remember this. God is faithful. God is faithful. God is able. And God's not going to leave us to ourselves. God is faithful. And also we need to remind ourselves of this often. And in the world that we live in, it is supposed to be sinful. It's supposed to be wicked. It's supposed to be immoral. The world's just being the world. Darkness is just being darkness. The thing we've got to remind ourselves is this. If it wasn't for sin, and if it wasn't for evil, and if it wasn't for immorality, the world wouldn't need the church. And so it's not a question of whether or not the darkness is dark. The question is, is the light being light? Is the church being the church? Are we operating on faith? Are we simply just sitting back scared and afraid? Because we're too self-centered enough to step out on faith. Faith without risk doesn't require much faith. Several years ago when the Lord called me into the ministry, I was intimidated by it, didn't really understand it. I was somewhat confused, but I wasn't afraid. But then later on, the Lord said, you need to go to Bible college. He, he knew how ignorant I was. You need to go to Bible college. If you're going to preach, you need to know the Bible. Again, I wasn't necessarily afraid. I was intimidated. I never had been a good student. But I did it. And so things were going along quite well. I was working full time, providing for my family. I was going to school at night, driving back and forth an hour and 45 minutes one way. But things, I loved it. It was going great. I was busy, but it was good. And then one day, God just messed all that up. 
He said, Scott, it's time. It's time for you to give me everything you've got. I said, God, what are you talking about? He said, I want you to quit your job and trust me. I thought, God, are you going to provide a church for me? No. I just want you to quit your job and trust me. And guys, I want to tell you something. I was scared to death. I was scared to death. I'd worked there nearly 14 years. My wife had a job, but it didn't provide a whole lot of funds. We'd just built a new house. We'd just had our second child, still just months old. My food paid the mortgage, or my food, my salary paid the mortgage. My salary put food on the table, paid the utilities. And God's telling me, quit your job and trust me. I can remember right after that, me and Ronnie was riding up to school. Now, I was going to school. I'm not sure what Ronnie was doing, but he was with me anyway. And I felt like the Lord wanted me to share that with him, and I think he was the first one. And I think the reason the Lord wanted me to share it with him because I needed to hear myself say it. And all I could do was cry. I was, I was terrified. You know, what kind of father, what kind of husband am I that I can't even provide for my own family? This is crazy what God's asking me to do. This is absolutely crazy. God, you're asking me to give up the job that's providing for my family, but yet you're not going to uh, substitute that with another job. Well, I went into work one day, turned in my two-week notice. My supervisor said, what are you going to do? I said, I'm going into the ministry. I didn't work for over a year. Over a year. I enrolled in school full-time, finished that up. For over a year, I did not work. But I want you to know something this morning. We never went without I don't know where it come from or how God did it, but we always had enough. And as scary as it was and as crazy as it sounded, I can tell you there's times in my life where I long to live in the fear of my faith. I want you to understand that there's such freedom when you're operating in the fear of your faith, when you're stepping out on a limb, when you're out there and you don't know what's going to happen the next day. All you know is you're trusting God and God is faithful to provide what you need. Guys, the average church attender today will never, ever truly experience what it means to walk by faith. Because we're too afraid to trust God, to do the impossible. God is faithful. God is faithful. You've got to be willing to trust him and to step out. Now, how do we experience the faithfulness of God? Well, I want to share three things with you, and then I'll be closing. First of all, if we're going to truly experience the faithfulness of God, we've got to be faithful to the little things. We've got to be faithful to the little things. There's this idea, and I don't know where it comes from, but I've heard it many years now, that if you've got someone in your church and they're not faithful, they're unfaithful, the way that you can help them to become faithful is this is what you do. You give them a job to do. 
you give them an important job to do. And if you give them something to do and you give them an important job to do, they'll become faithful. But there's two problems with that. First of all, it don't work. And secondly, it's not in line with Scripture. The Bible says those who are faithful in the little things, God will give more. You look for the faithful, those who are faithful in the little things, and there's really not little things in church life, but those who are faithful in the things that build their faith, those small things, God will begin to increase their responsibilities and give them more things, but we've got to be faithful in the little things. We've got to do that which God has commanded us to do. Worship, service, praying, witnessing, those little things. If we'll do the little things, God will take care of the rest. If we'll simply trust God in the areas of our life that may not require a whole lot of faith, God is going to give us more responsibility as we grow in our relationship with him as a disciple. Now, how do we as a church change the direction of a nation? How do we as a church affect or influence what we see in our world today? We do the little things right. You know, I'm convinced of this, that for the most part, the church has become very ineffective. And I don't want to be negative here because I believe that God ordained and instituted a church. I love the church. Jesus died for the church. But for the most part, churches around our land are nothing no more than landmarks on the side of the road that people use for direction. Anyone ever give you directions? Well, you just go down by this church over here on the corner, about three roads down, you take a right. And that's all that church is in the community. It's just a landmark. It helps someone find someone's home. The reason there's so much darkness around us is because there's so little light. Instead of complaining about the things that are going on around us, instead of complaining about condition of our land, the church needs to become the church. We need to become the light that God has called us to be. And we need to be faithful in the little things that God has given us to do. And he's going to give us much more. But until we become faithful, in those little things, we're never going to see God operate in the big areas of our life. Faithful in serving Faithful in the work that God has given us to do is simply just being faithful. What is it God has you doing right now? You know, we struggle just like most churches struggle in getting people to serve. And you want to know why that is? It's an inconvenience. It's not easy to give extra time. It's not easy to do extra things. It's not easy to give extra effort. Faithfulness in the little things, that's what God desires to see in us Secondly, if we're going to experience the faithfulness of God in difficult circumstances, we've got to be open to whatever God asks. Be open to whatever God asks. Now listen to this. God is never going to give you an assignment bigger than what you are willing to do. God knows your heart. God knows your heart. And he's never going to give you an assignment bigger than the job that you're willing to do. What you're willing to take on for him. God is unlimited. Unlimited, but we limit him and his ability to work through us because we're unwilling to step up. Now, the moral decline of our nation is a natural result of a lack of a strong influence by Christians in our land. 
I honestly believe that. The decline of the moral condition of our nation is the direct result or natural result of a lack of a strong influence through Christians. What we see taking place around us shouldn't surprise you. You know, when they made the court ruling the other day, and I'm not going to get too much into this, but when they made the court ruling the other day, I thought to myself, as you go on Facebook and social media, people were, were so surprised, shocked. People were reacting to what had been done. And I thought, you know, it's kind of like being run over by a turtle. I could see this coming miles away. I don't see how in the world this caught anybody by surprise. All it did is clarify where we are. You know, one of the things I like to, I like to know is, I like to know what the lay of the land is. I like to know what I'm against, what I'm up against. But guys, we know what we're up against. The only change that took place the other day is that it just clarified where we are as a nation. That's all. So we know what we're up against. The issue now is are we willing to do what God asks us to do? Are we open to whatever God is willing to ask us or going to ask us to do? If we're not, then God is going to pass us over and use someone else. God has an influence. God has a witness in this world. And God's going to use that witness. I want it to be Golden Corner Church right here in Walhalla. That God is using as a witness to impact and influence the world for Jesus Christ. Because we have limited God and what he can do through us, we as a church have lost our influence. Maybe you've seen this done on a more personal level at work. Uh, You've watched a Christian who you know is a Christian, but yet their behavior has somehow taken away their ability to influence the people around them over the years. Their unwillingness to be a witness or to be faithful in what God has given them to do has removed their influence. And so they're right there in the midst of darkness, but at the same time, their light is not shining. We've got to be open to whatever it is God wants us to do. So the question to you today is this, are you open? You say, I'm not sure. I'm I'm scared God's going to ask me to do something that I'm not willing to do, and that's probably true. Chances are he is going to ask you to do something you're not willing to do. Whatever it is God asks you to do, I can promise you it's what is best for you. And then the third thing is this, be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. We've got to be faithful in the little things. We've got to be open to what God may ask. And then thirdly, we've got to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Listen, you can't react to the voice of God if you don't know what God sounds like. I think the greatest tragedy in our day is this. We have access to the greatest power known to man, but yet we neglect it. (laughs) We have access to the greatest power known to man, but yet we neglect it. We sit around as Christians and we, we wring our hands and we're wondering, what are we going to do now? What are we going to do now? The world's just going to hell. What are we going to do now? What are we going to do now? Everything's just falling apart. What are we going to do now? Well, God is still in control. God is faithful. God is able. Guys, we're not serving a God who is weak, who is unable to change the lives of people. If you want to see change in America, then we've got to see change in the hearts of the people. We've got to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit of God. When we pray, when God speaks, we need to react. Now, Elijah had it tough. 
It was difficult for him. As far as I know, he didn't have any family surrounding him. He was kind of out there by himself. He didn't have a team of staff around him. He was just out there. God said, you need to confront the king. Now, that'd be like me going to the White House demanding to go into the Oval Office to see Barack Obama and telling him that God has sent me there and I got a word for you. That'd be kind of neat, wouldn't it? I'd like to do that. But that's what he did. Now, it, probably for Elijah, it was even more difficult because I am protected by certain freedoms. But Elijah could have lost his life. And even worse than Ahab was his wife Jezebel. There's a reason people don't call other people or name their kids Jezebel. <laughs> evil. Evil. He was ministering in some very difficult times. Within the difficulties of his time, he saw that God was faithful. God was faithful. We can't overlook prayer. We can't underuse the greatest weapon that God has given us to strengthen us so that we can go out and make a difference in the world. Elijah was only able to endure the circumstances that he found himself in because of God's faithfulness to him. And he was faithful to him because Elijah obeyed the voice of God. What does the Bible tell us as a church? What instructions do we have to impact Wahala, Oconee County, South Carolina, the nation, the world? He says, go and make disciples don't get off track on all this other stuff go and make disciples you said well you just don't know the people i work with i got this guy he's got this foul mouth he's always cracking and, and making racist marks and all these things you don't know who i work with yeah i do because i at one time was him share jesus with him you can't change him jesus can be sensitive to the Holy Spirit, and as the Holy Spirit guides you and directs you, God's going to use you, just like he used Elijah, to impact the world. And maybe today you find yourself weary and tired and beaten down by serving and all the things going on around you and your family and life in general, and you find yourself right now stressed out. Well, the word I have for you today is this, God is faithful. God is faithful. As you bow, bow your heads and close your eyes. Today you do, you find yourself tired and weary, worn out, stressed. You find yourself today wondering what the world's going to be like for your children, your grandchildren. What kind of world are they going to find? And just like the widow, you feel helpless and hopeless to do anything about it. Well, just as the widow found out, and just as Elijah found out, God is faithful. And He's going to be faithful to you. He's going to be faithful to you right where you are.
as long as you're faithful doing the right, the little things, faithful to the little things, as long as you're open to the will of God, and as long as you're listening to the voice of God, He's going to be faithful to you. Father, we, once again, we're humbled by how great you are by how small we are. God, we're so quick to point out all the negatives and all the darkness around us. And yet we forget in the midst of all the difficulties and sin and immorality and all these things that are going on, that you're still God. That you're still God. We're your children. And God, we know you're going to be faithful to us. I pray that if there's someone here today that is maybe on the verge of giving up, quitting, walking away, they just don't see any light at the end of the tunnel. Father, I pray they'll leave here today with this message in their heart that you're faithful. You're faithful. You're able. There's no situation or circumstance too difficult for you. God, help us to be the church. To influence and impact this world. And may we begin to see a return during our lifetime. We thank you, we love you, and we praise you. For it's in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, you're dismissed.